<laughs> yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. Keep the heads ringing. You are tuned in to DAR Media, and we've got a special, pretty unique episode for you guys tonight on Nostalgia Hour. We are going to talk about not sports as well, sports is included, but not necessarily a wholly sports topic. We're going to talk about 90s and early 2000s culture, specifically how hip-hop, hip-hop culture intersected with athletes, sports, movies, video games, and vice versa all of the time. And it was a very almost like specific because people might correct me, but I just don't think it's as prevalent nowadays. But in the 90s and the 2000s, you had athletes that wanted to be rappers. You had rappers that wanted to be athletes. And everybody in between was in movies, video games, and TV shows. Um, The other day, we were going over some of these examples um, and kind of going over the funny ones, the the very polarizing uh, belly, um, the baller blocking movies that Cash Money made, uh, the choices movies that Hypnotized Minds made, um, stuff like that. But what never all came classics. up, all clay <laughs> in their own all right. Hey, classic soundtracks, and I'll take that to the fucking grave. Um, one. Two of them that we didn't bring up because we were kind of having fun and poking fun at things, but they both count. And it kind of struck me. It's like, wow, we never mentioned this. Was Will Smith and Ice Cube. When you think of Will Smith, you almost don't even think of. A lot of people don't even remember or know that he was a rapper first and then a TV star before becoming the biggest movie star. I mean, in the late 90s, I don't know if there was a bigger movie star around for a couple of years than Will Smith who started off as a rapper. I'd agree. Ice Cube. Uh, I'd agree on that. Is a bunch of classics, classic franchises. Obviously, Friday is a is a quintessential tentpole 90s movie. Um so yeah, Ice Cube and Ice Cube and Will Smith. People who burst into my mind that we didn't even bring up the other day. Um I'll start you well, off guys off there and then you go into the stuff that you guys were talking about. Well, I will say this when you when you bring up Ice Cube, Ice Cube to me is like the he is he's like the quintessential uh like, you know, hip hop artist that kind of crossed over to, you know, film and, and and everything else that he was doing. And it's interesting because to me I feel like uh when you look at what he did with Friday and then he was in Players Club and all the you know, other movies and he then he ended up in like you know, was it Anaconda with Jennifer Lopez and he started having other stuff like that. I think Cube was one of those first ones because even going back to Boys in the Hood, he was one of those first ones where you saw the potential there and for some reason he he he, he made it work. I know a lot, one of the things that I thought was interesting because of sports is that now Cube is also, he's into his own sports venture with the big three uh, basketball league too. So it's like he's pretty much done, he's done every side mission that you want to do as a uh, as an artist and pretty much the nexus of of the subject of the pod uh you know and and i think what's 
crazy is, you know, I, I made the example of how people, I don't think, remember that Will Smith is a rapper. A lot of people, as sacrilegious as I'd it like might be, we got to remember that we're, that we're fucking old. I don't know if everybody remembers that Ice Cube was a rapper. And Ice Cube is arguably... Well, not arguably on the significance. He's one of the most significant rapper of rappers of all time. To me, hit for hit, bar for bar, he's also in the at least in the top twenty um, rappers of all time. Definitely one of the most I would, significant I would agree with with, that. with the influence <laughs> of bringing in West Coast gangster rap to the rest of the, the whole music scene. So, so it's funny, right? So it's funny you mentioned that. You mentioned Ice Cube as a rapper, and X X. I I, I want to get your thoughts on this because. If people have been paying attention, this is current, but it's it's relevant to the 90s. Uh, so Tony Ayo, uh, G-Unit, was doing Drink Champs, and they brought up Biggie and Ice Cube as a storyteller. Now, a lot of people I know on the West, you know, on the East Coast, uh, always crown Biggie as, like, one of the best storytellers, the best storyteller in hip-hop, whereas I think DJ FN was saying that Ice Cube was the best storyteller Overall, and I think this is funny that you mentioned that a lot of people don't realize that Ice Cube was a rapper and stuff like that, especially the new generation. I mean, I mean people who are in their like you know teenage years and like early twenties and mid twenties, you might not know the, the the type of level that America's Most Wanted, you know, uh, you know was was that and Death Certificate, The Predator, all these different albums, these are classics. So for people West who Side don't Connection. know, exactly West Side Connection, group, like, all yeah. these different things, everything that 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 Cube did. As as an artist, it's 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 like when you think of them now, that's not the first thing for the average person that comes to their mind. And so it's it's interesting that when I watched the Drink Champs, which was I just want to point out was five fucking hours long, which no interview should ever be five fucking hours long, but it's just like hearing people, you know, hearing uh DJ FS say, you know, I think Cube is one of the best storytellers, and you start pointing out some of his great storytelling songs, and it's not just, you know, Today Was a Good Day, there's a shit ton, if you listen to Death Certificate, The Predator, and listen, of course, to America's Most Wanted, listening to, like, like all these different, you know, projects he put out, he had, like, stories that, he, it was, like, descriptive and, and, and intricate in the way he put it together, and even something like Today Was a Good Day, which is really simple in essence, it was... It was so well put together, and I think that was something that probably also helps with him writing scripts and making movies, too. Because if you're a storyteller in your music with your raps, then you can probably translate that somewhat well, at least somewhat well, to, you know, to, to film. And uh, as far as Will Smith goes, I do remember Will Smith's raps, um, Big Willie style, and... Uh, in, in the Fresh Prince years, I tried to uh, forget those years uh, as, as a listener. He's I a rapper. Was... I'm the DJ is solid, though, man. Like, you're right. Old school. Old school. Is, yeah, you know, they had some. I mean, he was the first rapper to win a Grammy, though, right? Mm hmm. So he's the first he rapper to win a Grammy. Gotta give him credit for that. Shout um, out to Benny Medina for probably making that happen, for sure. I mean, and 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 I get what you mean about Big Willie style, but like that was a smash fucking hit record. I look, look at the you, end of the day, you're preaching you. You're, Summertime's you're, look, a classic. Listen, listen, Absolutely. Big Willie style. Look, Pugo ain't on here, but Pugo was on here. <laughs> Pugo, 
<laughs> me and him have talked over this last 10 years we've known each other about Big Willie style. And as a kid, I ain't gonna lie, man. I liked Big Willie style. I liked the album. There's nothing to lie about. What what but, kid our age but, did not? But welcome to Miami. Come on. But 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 as the years rolled on and I listened back to it, I was like, damn, this is terrible. <laughs> like, like, and it's not. It is not so much, and, and, and it's not so much. I'll say this: Big Willie style. It, it it didn't age age well, but the other music he made definitely didn't age well. And I'm not talking about the, the Fresh Prince. I'm talking about Willennium in the early 2000s. Wild Wild West is a classic, though. Cisco flamed that hook. We ain't okay, okay, yes. Cisco. Yes, Cisco. Cisco carries carried a lot of records in his prime. We Cisco carried a lot of records in his prime. That is one of them he carried. I I fully agree with that. Cisco to me carried that one. But does anybody remember any of Will Smith's lyrics from Wild Wild West? Anybody? Did he say he was like threatening to smack niggas? I'm not doing it. He said his hands was like but the answer is yes. Like that. You 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 okay okay wait 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 you said you know some lyrics. Oh, wow, wow, West. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna I'm I'm pull up these lyrics right now. I'm no, 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 no. Right we're not. We're not doing this. Look, well, I know we're about hard we're already no. gonna get in a lot of trouble. We're not. I'm not doing this. <laughs> no, no, no. This is good. This is good. Okay, Will Smith. Well, I want my laptop. So, all right. He says, "Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. Oh, you don't want nada. None of this." Six gun in his brother running his buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I told you. Okay, so like that doesn't sound horrible when you when you when you hear it, you know, damsel in distress. Okay, I do actually remember some of this as I read this. Uh, <laughs> I actually do remember some of this as I read this. I'll just say this. Will Smith in his prime as a rapper, um very successful, very uh he's very personable. As a rapper, that, that, that I think he he had the the appeal, which is what uh, you know. I think that's what allowed him to become a big movie star, right? Because you 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 yeah, saw him in the videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's very charismatic and and Fresh Prince of Bel Air, obviously. And that's a, that's another thing, though. That's a good question too. In this era, I don't think there's any rapper that could do that. There's no rapper that could do that. No rapper has a personality, bro. Yeah, it's just nobody like, can do that. I think the last of the of the rappers that crossed over was like what Ti, Drake, 50? Drake, Drake, sorta. Yeah, I guess Drake. Man, I, I Drake hasn't really made like movies, movies though, right? So he hasn't crossed crossover. But I feel like, I mean, I feel movies, like yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, but I, I feel like Ti is probably like the last real one that like really crossed over. Be like because that's the only person I could think of. So it's interesting because in the nineties. Uh, like, 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 uh, you know, Eric's kind of pulling out, like, like, a yeah, lot French of store. Yeah, like, you, you have somebody from Onyx who was, yeah. you know, slam, you know, slam and, 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 you know, ball head niggas, just like, you know, saying that just rough, rugged. And he was on, he was in, was a Sunset Park. He's in, uh, um, was a terrible movie, though. He oh, was yeah. in a movie called, uh, Ride as well that I, oh, yeah, am very familiar. John Witherspoon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. cross the fucking bus. What was the thing he said? Don't cross. They drove the to fucking... Miami on a bus. Yeah, yeah, but like, no, he was like, "Don't cross the fucking movie. bus oh, line." Video. <laughs> terrible movie. Terrible. Oh my gosh! Oh it's terrible. my gosh! It's terrible. It, it, it's terrible just because of the fact it makes no no damn sense. But John but... Witherspoon was in it. He was the bus driver. Yep. Oh no! No, <laughs> anything, anything. John Witherspoon. R.I.P. to John Witherspoon. 
Uh, anything he was in, you know, I, I, I'll watch. But I, it's just interesting because Fragile Star is another one, right? Fragile Star, uh, big time rapper. Sticky Fingers is also crossed over a little bit. He's, you know, doing stuff mm-hmm. too. But Fragile is interesting because Fragile was this rough, rugged. Onyx was like the street. You know, we from Queens, son. We from Queens, son. Throw your guns, <laughs> like. And then he's Q on Moesha. Like right. and, that is, and he's, he's he's like you know yeah shorty yeah short like it's just funny looking at that because it's like it's a teenage show and I don't think Fredro Star was no teenager at that time and I say this because my daughter uh has become a like regular watcher of Moesha on Netflix so now I get to kind of relive it watching it with her and I'm like Fredro Star is he's fifty two right now Fredro Star is fifty two so twenty some years ago. 25 years ago he was 27 years old he's playing a uh playing a teenager and i think that's interesting right because you, you a lot of rappers were playing teenagers like or, or playing like like high school age in a lot of these movies especially even though they were like 25 30 years old i always thought that was interesting uh in the 90s because it was like are we not good enough to <laughs> to, to have regular roles we got to play this we got to play that um but you did mention, uh, actually mentioned Strap, right? You mentioned Strap uh, uh, a little earlier, Fraser. So that is probably one of, I think, the unintentionally funniest movies that I ever had to sit through. Um, Strap, and I, I think the one movie that Fraser Star was in, and I'm not going to give Fraser Star too much more uh, of my time, but he was in Save the Last Dance. Which, oh, he was? Yes, oh, man. <laughs> he was the he was the friend. That's right, he was the friend in Save the Last Dance, and I think that's a movie where you look back <laughs> at bad, <laughs> really bad. Yeah, hey, she's supposed to go to Juilliard, hitting them basic ass dance moves. Like fuck out of here. And see, <laughs> this, but 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 this goes right to the what we're talking about. Hip hop culture was so important and so necessary that they had to get the most. I mean, let's be real, the whitest girl they could find and put her with, to be fair, the blackest, the blackest, but not the blackest dude they could find. Uh, was it Sean? What was his name? Sean Patrick. Uh, I forgot. I, Sean Patrick she, Thomas. I wonder how that would go over nowadays. Like, she kind of didn't, okay, I don't particularly remember the movie, but like, didn't she like kind of like co opt hip hop dance to like, yeah, they would call get, her get a cultural uh, appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> It would it would be terrible uh, these days because you also think about it. Uh, Bianca Lawson was in that movie, I believe, and she was the original love interest for Sean Patrick Thomas. And basically, Julia Stiles' character takes Sean Patrick oh, Thomas. Man. From <laughs> and we already know we see think pieces and everything that goes. Oh like, God, that would be. <laughs> but that so. But that, yeah. You mentioned bald rappers, and it made me think of another person that we've kind of missed. And. Uh-oh. I'm sure some uh, some comedy might fly around on this one. Um, LL Cool J. Rewatching <laughs> <laughs> in the house. That show was terrible. In the house. Okay, so yeah. So in the house, in too deep, and uh, fucking any given Sunday. Speaking of movies that are like quintessential '90s, I love any given Sunday. Uh, okay. I, I, it's it's an amazing football movie. Um, so it was a double right there too, because it was a rapper in a movie. Playing an athlete. Yep. It was another nexus of our of our podcast content yep. here. And he no, called I, Jamie Foxx on set. That's making mm-hmm. funny. 
And it's funny, it's funny to me about 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 LL is that LL has the ability, in my opinion, he has the ability to be he had the ability to be one of the most more versatile like rapper turned actors, but I think he was he was too cool for school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you watch some of his roles, like he was the he was the, the security guard, I think it was in Halloween, H two O. Yeah, yeah, and he was in that, yeah. Yeah, and so he and then he was in Deep Blue Sea and he somehow survived like Oh, like yeah, Samuel Deep Blue Seas. I forgot about that one too. <laughs> him and like Ice Sam- Cube never die in their movies, though. They never really die so in their movies. I think, hold on. Okay, so I don't want to say anything. You know, it's going to get us in trouble. I feel like Ice Cube tweeted about this. I'll have to go back and look. Ice Cube's Twitter can be a place that maybe some people don't want to go all the time. But he says I a lot. think that he had in his contract or the reason he accepted the movie is because it said he was going to live. And I think, yeah, I believe according it. to him, it might be bullshit or, you know, some film buff yeah. to check us on this. But it was the first type of movie like that ever where – you guys say it, not me. The black dude don't die? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, it was a thing in the 90s. I think it was a thing like 80s, 90s, all of it. It was always a thing. Um any movie was where the, it, was, it was the first where time was where he made it and he killed the snake. I believe also he claimed that that was the first time something like that had happened where the black guy killed the monster at the end or helped which, kill it. Which, which is so interesting when you actually really look at it and think about it because logically in horror movies, being honest, black people not running towards no damn sharks, no serial killers. No, no, Michael Myers, no Jasons. We're, we're not running, running towards it. We're running away. <laughs> like we hopping in the car. We run trying to run them over. There's a not... phenomenal. I need you guys to look up. I don't know if it's on YouTube. Sinbad does a fucking incredible bit about this, That's about the difference yeah. between, okay. um, you know, black people and white people and the reactions to monsters and like how the movies are unrealistic. I would just type in uh, Sinbad. Uh, werewolves and he does this whole bit that's fucking hilarious it's like burned into my well, you brain know what? about that exact subject you you, you rappers you brought rappers? something to my to my mind to, okay to, go to, ahead because i got another one that you guys are gonna be like we didn't bring up the other day but you're gonna it's funny so you brought something to my attention where ll survived ice cube survived you know who else survived and it actually ties back into fredo star he was on moesha brandy Brandy oh, yeah, and, yeah. was in I Know What You Did Last Summer. She did last summer, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she survived that. And so it's interesting when you think about it. I think the 90s was like the first time. I think I think Buster Rhymes was in a, in a Halloween movie. I think he might have survived too, um, I, I think. So I think it's interesting because all these years <laughs> that had gone by, you had all these different uh, black, you know, black uh black rappers turn or singers turn actors and they kind of set the trend of surviving in movies where regular truth to be told regular black actors were not getting that you know and i think that's interesting because i think it almost ties into their image as artists that people don't want to go watch this movie to see me die right right they want to yeah. see me live they want to see me you know that that so that's a that's interesting that that the hip hop culture was so powerful that L L could come in and say you know yeah son and let me get you know what I'm saying let me get this let me let me let me survive let me survive you you survive Michael Myers and a shark 
and back to back movies. That's crazy. Nobody ever that done is that. crazy. And then you got Ice Cube, who never seen Ice Cube die in any of his movies. Not that I can remember. Maybe it's a movie that that somebody maybe Boys in the Hood. That might be the only one. And you don't even see it happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, like that, that motherfucker died. He's off camera. So it's like you have stuff like that. That's interesting to me that they have, uh, they have that, and it's 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 impactful because now there's a lot of even even to something like a, a was it Get Out the movie Get Out. A lot of people would have expected, you know, if Get Out was made in the '90s, the black man definitely died in that movie. Like he, he died. Like it would have been no movie. He'd have, he'd have been dead. <laughs> like he'd have been dead. Yeah, like it's easy. So I think that's interesting because there's a ton of rappers who didn't die. Like I think Pac was one of the only ones that died in like every movie he was in. Like Pac might be the only one. Pac died in Juice Above the Rim. I, I, I think he died in Gridlock or, or Game I mean, of Later. His characters deserved it, though. All his yeah. characters was shit. <laughs> so, like, Pac, so I think that's interesting. Cause Pac was the one. He dies in everything. Like, all the hood movies, like, all the rappers that was in, in the hood movies, they die. But regular movies, LL, Cube, Brandy, um, Buster Rhymes, they won. Like, so it's interesting that there was, like, a kind of a change. And I don't know what caused the change, but it it is slightly interesting that rappers stopped or rappers started being in movies and didn't die after we lost Pocket Biggie. Don't well, think that has the, anything to do with it, but that's you know. another interesting point about Ice Cube is that I mean you could say Ice Cube spearheading that is like began that shift in the industry. Like because you're yeah. giving a bunch of examples of that. That's 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 fucking crazy. I got one to bring out. If we're ready to shift off the serious stuff into the funny stuff, because I was thinking. Well, last thing I'm gonna say about Q is I think it was interesting. His music was so serious, and like how he was able to have comedy movies. That's just such a crazy shift because his music was taken like he he scared people early on. His music was banned in certain states, so for him to be able to shift to comedy, I just showed his versatility. That was the last thing I had to say about Q. Uh, yeah, I think he's a he's a, you know, not we're kind of spelling it out. Maybe a little bit underrated about how how versatile he is. Um, yeah, between the music, uh, starting all these franchises, being a producer, the comedy movies, but also beginning the shift of uh, you know, the black guy lives in monster movies and horror movies. One I wanted to bring up because <laughs> I thought of it when we were talking about rappers and who lives at the end. Um, Leprechaun in the Hood with Ice T. Do you guys remember that? So, I watched this movie <laughs> once. <laughs> I think I've seen it once, once too. Once, and I've never watched it again. No, because <laughs> it's it's like legendarily yeah. shitty. Yeah, I remember Ice T from a uh, New Jack City. Like that, that was his breakout. Oh yeah, role yeah, he's in that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, no, and, Leprechaun in the Hood was not his his breakout role. I bet you there's a funny interview with Dice T somewhere about that movie. Because I it was I, I, crazy. It's, it's interesting to me though. When you actually think about it, this is another thing about hip hop culture, right? Hip hop culture impacted black film uh in such a way that there's Leprechaun in the Hood, there's Tales from the Hood, Boys in the Hood, like I do think, in a sense, like hip hop culture made it to where, honestly, it was like there was 
this weird connotation that like all the films or like majority of the of the black films had to be just about the hood. And was, was there any rappers in Tales in the Hood? Um I haven't seen I, it in a while. I don't I think so. It's been a long time. But I, I I did want to highlight since it came up. Anybody who's listening to this, anyone, especially if you're into horror, you have to watch at least the first one. That movie is fucking. That movie is fucking phenomenal, on any level to any group of people. It's fucking tremendous. So I will say this: I think Tales from the Hood one of my favorite of movies the... of all time. One of my favorite endings of a movie of all time. I th- I think the ending of Tales from the Hood is 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 it's great, and I mean I, you see it coming, but it's it's still. It's still great. It's still a great. I mean, I was like nine when I watched it, and I did not see it coming. It fucked me up. I mean, but I I think that's one of those movies though where it's like looking back on it, you know, like our our childhood. It was like these things catered to black audiences. This is something you don't see today, in my opinion. In film, there's not a lot of that, you know, from your Fridays to your um, even even we were joking about the best man. Uh, talking about the song uh, on the uh, <laughs> on the soundtrack, but even that movie it appealed to like you know black audiences where it was um, you know even the Players Club, Ice you know Ice uh, In Too Deep, LL Cool J, you know these are things that appeal to you know black and urban audiences, and you don't see that as much. Like there, it, truth be t- like, where is the baller block? Where is the choices? Where are the I got the hookups? There's none of that. And that's what was I think is missing from today is that these rappers, like Master P, is a terrible actor. So I'm putting that out. Terrible actor. Soak the Shaka, also terrible actor. Everybody in No Limit, terrible actor. Snoop even and was in Hot Boys, terrible actor then. Mystical, terrible actor. But guess what? It didn't matter because you still wanted to watch. I got the hookup. Hot Boys. Nobody acted very well in ball blocking, but you wanted to watch it. Three Six Mafia can't act their way out of paper bag, but you wanted to watch it because you identified with those rappers. And no rapper, like if Lil Baby came out and he got he just canceled his tour today. Uh, but if Lil Baby came out with a movie, you watching it? Probably not. You don't give a shit about that, you know. If, if, if even to take it, you know, I know Axe mentioned Drake. If if Drake came out with a movie, y'all watching it? Y'all watching the whole thing? Y'all gonna y'all gonna go check it out? I even him being one of the biggest stars in the world, I don't feel like people will gravitate to these things because there's no like it's not a relationship with the fan and the artist like that in 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 today's culture. And I think the '90s really got that down to a T to where. You're gonna go see this movie. Yo, LL is in this movie. That's my man. LL is my man. I'm gonna go see LL in this movie. Dudes gave interesting interviews back then. That was the difference. Like they had charisma. Like you could actually have quotables from the interviews. Like you felt passion from certain people. Like with Pac, he was passionate about what he was talking about. So you wanted to like see the different layers from him. Like you don't really feel that from nobody now. And and I I think that's that's the weird part too, right? Is that we have a shit ton of rappers. <laughs> we got like every everybody's cousin. Everybody got at least one cousin that rap. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, 
Spanish. Somebody got a cousin that raps. Whether or not they're good, that's a different story. But it's like we have so many, like so much access to so many different rappers now. Everybody's like, there's a you can you can you can do twenty million on streams and a hundred million on the stream, and you don't have to be great at what you do. There's so many rappers that it's like maybe this era, the streaming era, maybe it's 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 what kind of took took that excitement away because like the excitement when I went. To go buy the big timers album. The first album I ever bought with my own money was big timers. I got their work. And this is I was I went to the mall, uh, little shopping center. My mom, my, my mama was in the mall, but she went to the, she went to to go pick up something. She said, I'm gonna let you go to the store by yourself. Saying, like, and she's like, I know you got your own little money. I said, Yeah, I'm good. I got it. <laughs> I walked in the store. I said, Hey man, let me get that big timers. I got that work. I I bought that album. And I played it on my Walkman for, I mean, hours upon hours upon hours. So much so that when Ball Blocking came out three months later, I tried my hardest to get my hands on a copy of that DVD or the VHS. And like that, that in itself, like my cousin, my cousin talks about Master P all the time because he's big, one of the biggest Master P fans I know. He was like, man, look, I went and got the MP The Last Dawn album. I watched the movies on that one. I watched I Got the Hookup. I watched Hot Boys. Like, and you think about it, Master P was putting out how many albums a year through No Limit? They putting out what, six, 10, 12? It was and crazy it was amount. Piles, yeah. And they were making movies with some of these albums. <laughs> like, I and he see... was in WWE. Then he tried off in the NBA. Like, his man was all over. Yeah, he was on a he was uh on the Raptors summer team, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. on a preseason squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that and even that, how many people get to do that? You know what I mean? Like, like what rappers doing that? Like J Cole, I know tried out, but like he's like he ain't do shit with it. Nobody really cared. But like right. <laughs> when, when Pete, like when when P was in wrestling, when Master P went to wrestling, he was a No Limit Soldiers, and they and they brought the nigga named Swole. They brought Swole. <laughs> they brought Swole out, and they and and he was out there, and they was going against the West Texas Rednecks. Rap is crap. Even that is a is a prime way to show you how powerful hip hop culture is. That wrestling, a business who prior to that really didn't dabble much in hip hop, decided Tried to bring to in somebody. I mean, fuck WWE. WWF. One thing I do want to say before we 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 go to the WWF part. Anybody out there who's who's open minded to just like recognition of good, just good jam, just good music. I know a lot of you like turned way turned off by country, but the rap is crap. That song, like the fact that that's Kurt Henning, that is some of the most mind blowing shit of all fucking time. The fucking song is catchy. Like not just the chorus, the rest of it. The song is catchy. The fucking instruments are good. And it's fucking Kurt Henning. Like, what could this motherfucker not do? Fucking crazy as fuck. <laughs> but what I was about to say was the WWF at the height of its fucking uh popularity had an entire rap album of remixed entrance songs. So that right there, again, yep. talking about all sports, even sports entertainment. Hip hop culture during this time was involved, and, and I, I, think, I remember. I, oh, good, go ahead, my bad. I think "Whoop There It Is" was the first 
hip hop song that was played in NBA arenas because you know before they was playing like random pianos and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and- like they started playing rap in the nineties within uh stadiums, so that played a part too. Speaking of rap in stadiums and basketball games and the whole thing. Hip-hop culture was so big in the 90s that not only was rap getting played in the arenas, the athletes themselves were finding their way to uh, <laughs> to making their own oh, God. Um, Basketball's own... best kept secret. <laughs> yeah, I... I the the it should have stayed a secret. That's that's for damn sure. I think, like, when when you look at you know, uh, <laughs> like so Shaq, I I, I want to say this. this Shaq is a, Shaq is a very important part of hip hop culture and sports, um because Shaq was really the one who kind of, in my opinion, he had his own flavor, and I don't think we've seen anybody you know like like in terms of big stars like. You know, Penny Hardaway, obviously that was his counterpart in um in Orlando. You you know, you had Mike, you had Mike who was who who had to, I guess, the swag down with, you know, with his chain when he would go out there, but it wasn't hip hop. It was it was, I mean, was hip hop, but whole, it wasn't hip hop. A whole Shaq segment here, right? Because he had the video games, he yep. did the rap, and he was in several movies. Um all of which I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on. <laughs> Only like blue chips. He get respect for blue chips, but like Kazam stunk. He was a seven foot two motherfucker. That a genie that was hopping out of a boom box. That stereotypical ass shit, man. Like that ain't going <laughs> to be. <laughs> That's funny. That's just so <laughs> hey, what was uh, the other one? He was a steel. He was coming out of a junkyard. I forgot what the fuck that shit was about. He's a superhero. So if so it makes you wonder, right? There's also another thing about hip hop culture too, right? You 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 bring you bring up a good point, X. There were so many stereotypical things that were occurring when it came to hip hop culture when people started like, you know, people kind of crossing over to film and other other realms and television. It was extremely stereotypical because hip hop was supposed to be yeah, like you ever see like like a black show where a white person is on the show and they're like, yeah, homie, yeah, G. And that's how they talk. Like that's hip hop culture. And it's weird because it's stereotypical hip hop culture because not everybody talks talk like that, especially in the culture. But it made me think about like Steel. You're right, X. That's I've seen that movie maybe like once. And I think I fell asleep on it. Kazam, <laughs> terrible. But for all of the bad that Shaq did, Shaq was the first athlete, I think, that like you know, you had the Bla- uh, Bulls versus Blazers video game, you know, but Mike wasn't on that. Mike wasn't a part of that. Mike, Mike said, you got to pay me to be on these video games. You got to pay him. So Shaq went and did what like I said, I don't think anybody would have thought. And he made his own video game. That's unheard of. Now, right. you know, like 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 you look at Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey had his own video game, too. Um, hold, hold on. King- hold on. Hold on. Shaq had a non-sports game, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Has any did anybody else do that? Like where it was about them and they were the hero in the game? And uh I don't no, know. I, I, so. I, not sports wise. Not sports wise. No, I don't think so. 
and 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 when we we talk about that particular game, that's one of the first games that I ever had in my life. Um, was Shaq Fu. Yeah, I was, that's I was, it. I was yeah, a, yeah, I was a big Shaq fan as a kid. Um, you know when he was with the Magic, and it's funny because when you actually talk to people who are like you know gamers, quote unquote gamers. Shaq was like one of the worst games of all time. If you ask them, <laughs> yeah, it's most games. But if you ask people who was immersed in this culture, and and you know just wanted to do it, like you had Mortal Kombat at the same time, you had Street Fighters, you had your Tekkens. These are very well known fighting games. But we had never had something that felt like it was a part of our culture mixed in with gaming culture because our gaming's was Super Mario, Sonic the Hedgehog. That's what we did, you know, Pac-Man, Tetris. That's what we saw as a game. You finally saw somebody that, one, looked like us, and two, was somebody we watched on television, now in a video game, getting into fights and beating up, you know what I mean? Like, like as a hero of the game. That is so groundbreaking in, in what it does that looking back on it now, like Shaq, sh- sh- you know, sh- sh- Shaq is wh- whatever he is now, <laughs> and he has his, 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 his stupid moments and whatever. But at that time, that's he's he's a pioneer for the culture. That's absolutely a big pioneer for the culture. There's nobody, I think, in basketball that's ever done that. And I mean, La Smooth was a decent track too. The joint he did with a few schnickens. That oh, wasn't yeah, a bad no. song. Like it was actually pretty solid. Which I guess brings us to another element of what Shaq does. You mentioned the Fushik, you know, schnickens. Um Shaq had an album. <laughs> um, don't don't know if everybody remembers that album, but uh, yeah, Shaq had an album. Um, moderately successful. Um, my, I think I think it went platinum. I'm going to double check. So before we got uh Shaq Fu the game, he has Shaq Diesel the album. Now he his first album. He had, you know, uh, like you said, the Fushnikins on it. He had Five Dog on his on his debut album. You know, you you you. I mean, you got Fushnikins, you got Five Dog. Like that's that's heavy for uh, uh like. And mind you, this is ninety three when he put out the first first album. He hadn't Something even like hit. He hadn't he hadn't even hit that level of being a superstar in basketball yet. Because I, was, I know his his rookie was what ninety two to ninety three, yeah, yeah. And so you put an album out literally after your rookie season, and then you have a video game, and the season after that, that is, that shit is insane. Like then blue insane. chips, like I want to say that yep. same year, that was his only yep. good movie to me. Because it, yep. it's talked about the corruption of the uh, NCAA today. Well, not today, up until like a couple years ago, before the NILs came through. And that's how he met Penny Hardaway, like on the set of that. Yep. So, <clears throat> but, but Chips, even, it was a pretty good movie. But like, and 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 that's something like, and and Eric's right. There is a whole episode could be made about Shaq and his contributions just to the culture itself, because Shaq Diesel, that's fucking hilarious. First of all, it's a, it's a hilarious album title. <laughs> But then he had his album. He had, I think, the second album was Shaq Fu itself. I think Shaq Fu, and he had Method Man, RZA, like Red Man, Eric Sermon, 
Warren G was on that joint. Like, you are a basketball player, bro. <laughs> like, you in your <laughs> second or third season, and you were making albums and a video game, and your album got Wu-Tang, which was the biggest group in the world, really, for hip-hop at that time. So, like, that is, that's that's the impact that you can take a basketball player who wasn't a champion yet, he wasn't an MVP, no, like, none of that, and he was, like, already doing things that nobody else could do. That's why I think, like you said, and of course, we all, we all know about You Can't Stop the Rain, that's his biggest album, that's when he, you know, that's when he ascended to me, to superstardom, as a player in general, you know, when the, when the Magic was winning 60 games and they went to the finals and all that, like, all of that happened in that same same time. And you think about it, you are you got an album that's successful, I think, with Platinum or something like that. You got a video game that did well. You was in the NBA finals. <laughs> like, you went as, like, that. And and the one thing Shaq was, was focused on back in them days was making sure he represented for the culture. Like, he was, everything about him was hip-hop. Even to the way he would dunk on somebody and, and, and get in their face, that's hip-hop culture. You know what I mean? It's basketball, too, but it's hip-hop culture, too. So um, we really could talk a lot about Shaq and, and him being that that kind of like that bridge to the gap. You know, he when I was the gap. thinking about this the other day, I said, you know, when I think about it, the quintessential NBA athletes, at least the 90s, the Bulls, Shaq, Kobe, and Iverson, I think, as far as what we're talking about and cool factor. And and then I, personally, I yeah. think I feel like Grant Hill and his Sprite Sprite situation, the Sprite uh, sponsorship with Grant Hill, those commercials for Grant a couple Hill was of years, cool. too. Yeah. Very cool. Absolutely. I think that's interesting, too, right? Because Grant Hill, for all of his uh, – he he has like a good he had a good guy image, right? You know, he he was this, you know, Duke kid who, you know, came in and he was playing for the Pistons. He had his felines. He ended up marrying like an R and B singer and, and and stuff like that. But he was my aunt. <laughs> I found out about Grant Hill from my aunt. My aunt never watched basketball. She not came about basketball at all. But my aunt used to watch Duke and she used to watch Duke. Just to see Grant Hill. And that's the first time I saw Grant Hill. She was, she was like, oh, I love Grant Hill. Grant Hill's the best. Grant Hill's the best. And I was like, I, like all I knew at that point was Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. <laughs> that's all I knew as a kid. And so I saw Grant Hill. And I'm like, oh, snap. And so I watched Grant Hill go from Duke to Detroit. And I saw that, like, he had something. That I think, like, obviously we're not getting too much into sports talk. But I think Grant Hill was the next guy in line. And oh, I Oh yeah, he was supposed to be, yeah. Like marketability wise, he had everything you probably wanted and a guy that you're trying to market. And you know, injuries and all this stuff happened, but Grant was right there, the Sprite commercials, like all of this stuff. These endor- endorsement deals felt like like if it felt like when you see Grant Hill on Sprite, you're like, hey, that's my man right there. Like even that's a part of the culture. Like that's a part of the culture. Like you, you, you know, I like. I can't, like I said, I I can't speak enough about how important it was to have these athletes doing regular, like regular, regular type shit, right? Can't like, get a little penny even. Yeah, yeah. That was, okay, there oh you my go. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's, 
and and that's and music and that's video and uh and the fucking commercials. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Not just basketball, right? While we're on a subject of <laughs> of athletes, hip hop culture. And you know, we'll be talking about football soon uh on this podcast. But you can't talk football and can't talk culture without talking about primetime himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mr. Must be the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, to me, when you talk about hip hop culture, and I think for football, he 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 was the embodiment of it uh at, at that time. It's it's interesting too, right? Because basketball always seemed to embody more of hip hop culture, where there's a ton of black football players. But you wouldn't look at, say, Emmett Smith. You wouldn't look at Sweetness. You wouldn't look at, you know, even Ray Lewis. You wouldn't look at these guys and be like, they represent hip-hop culture. So I was, that is an interesting thing. But with, with primetime, you felt it. You saw it. From the from the celebrations to just the, just the change, just the way he talked, the way he did, Like, all of that is, is the culture. But you didn't get that from a lot of other guys in football. And that is something I always thought was interesting over the years. And I'll look back on it. I'm like, man, like. It's not a lot of guys in football that we could look back and be like, yo, they was representing. Primetime might be the only one that comes to mind straight up. Really? I mean, yeah, we, hammer on the sidelines, kicking it for the when they was on the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's it's just different. It's just different. And I think that's why I think primetime was so revered amongst the community and the culture anyway, is because He's he he is like a lot of our uncles in in, in, in some way. A lot of our uncles are similar to that, you know. Shit talker, you know what I mean? Just do you know? He doing his thing down the field. Like that's that's a part of the culture, and that's something that we like to see. That's the type of stuff that like uh, excites us. And it's interesting that football football is one of those things. Football to me is like football to me is like professional wrestling, right? Professional wrestling doesn't fully embrace hip hop culture. Uh, football didn't really embrace football uh, hip hop culture because I feel like it's too big of a platform for them to fully embrace hip hop culture. Like on the Super Bowl, like it was it was saying like groundbreaking for Dr. Dre and Snoop and, and Fifty and, and Mary Jane and Kendrick and them to do that because they're not pop state they're pop rappers, but you wouldn't have Wu Tang Clan do the Super Bowl. You keep, but like you mentioned the Routine Clan. I want to say it real quick when we're talking about crossover stuff and stuff that doesn't happen anymore. A lot of people don't realize Wu Tang Clan had a PS1 video game, Wu Tang Clan Shaolin style. It's like a fighting game. Look it up. I, it's 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 kind of legendary. I remember obscure. Yeah, <laughs> I remember this vaguely. <laughs> yeah, I used to see it in Blockbuster. I used to see them blockbuster when I would go and I would see it and I was like, hey, I got the Wu-Tang game. I never actually played it though. But once again, that is I think the last person in hip hop and I and, and overall, and I mean and I actually mean this too, the last person in hip hop to actually take advantage fully of all of those things was fifty cent. Yeah, be fifty, yeah. 50 that was almost kind of a legitimate um the 50 bulletproof um yeah is that what it was called the game the first person shooter that they put yep. out bulletproof yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Bulletproof. yeah that was like kind of a it didn't get terrible reviews i think it got like sevens in most places um it's not and a terrible it sold game. Like, it's pretty serious and it, yeah it and sold it sold really like well. two like two two point some million 
copies of a video game on PlayStation. This was what thirty nine ninety nine back then. I, I I can't remember how much it cost, but I know they like sixty dollars now. I know they. I know because I buy my daughter all these games, so I know they're sixty. But back then, like, and to think about that is that's why I said like to me, the era of the superstar that crossed over, it ended with fifty. Like that, like the two thousand. 2000s like it ended like Lil John was another one who, who kind of was right there but he didn't capitalize completely you know and I and and that, that's an interesting part of the like, interesting conversation too about how the hip-hop culture's crossover evolved because it went from like like 50 did movies he did vitamin water he did uh video games he had tennis shoes he had you know he had bad looking wife beaters with like, <laughs> like the, the spaghetti like, strap wife beaters. Yeah. And they were, they look like spaghetti strap tank tops look, for men. They, fucking terrible. But but he he capitalized and it was like that's what I said. Like to me, 50 was like the, he's like the end of an era. He's like the end of a time in general. Because look at sales after him. There's like three people in rap. That have those numbers after fifty. It's Kanye. Yeah, nobody bought the Hurricane games. Oh, we ain't gonna talk. <laughs> Speaking of games, I, we would be remiss because it's a it's a it's a pod about the influence and crossover of hip hop culture in this time and video games. I know games. where you're going with this. I yeah, know where you're going with this. the most I, one of the most influential games ever. Def Jam Vendetta series. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah. That's Very much impressive. Yeah, you know, and it's you know, and the, and that's the thing about the about that about that. I think the Def Jam series, if it would have released in the nineties, it would have been even bigger. And that's the crazy part. I don't think right. it got greenlit in the nineties. But if you could have came, because I think I think rappers were too concerned about their images. Yeah, they would have felt type of way. They'd have felt type of way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's like, and I think video games also would didn't cross over to the culture like that completely like like we play video games like i said growing up you know it was like like i don't know no i don't know a lot of brothers that came up playing zelda in in final fantasy like that xeno saga and shit like that i know a couple things that go to school with that ended up playing it but those was dudes that was sitting in the corner in school and they was like you know what I'm saying they had their game boy but like in my neighborhood we didn't we played mario we played anything you could shoot with we played with the Time Crisis in the arcade. 007 shit like 007, that. 007, GoldenEye. Like anything we could, in wrestling games, anything we could fight, just, just casual gaming type stuff as they call it. And so I felt like the Def Jam game would have been well received, but I don't think that the, the, the culture itself fully embraced gaming yet. And I think that's kind of the one thing I've always thought about the 90s is that a lot of people took themselves just a little too serious. In the nineties, a little too serious because who who wouldn't have loved to play a game in the nineties where you could put Raekwon, Ghostface, Nas, Wu Tang, Prodigy, Havoc. You giving you you know, and you go and you could have like Def Jam on this side. You could have Loud Records on this side, Rap a Lot Records on this side. You know, No Limit on. If you could come out with a game that had all of that, that would have went diamond in the hood, man. That would have went diamond if you put all of them crews in a game. Come on, man. I think, and you know, this is perfect because it's like nostalgia. I think people just don't culturally in in overall popular culture, 
people don't really understand the impact that the hip hop culture had, you know, 98 through 2004, that six year period. That was, that was the year when you had DMX's double number one albums. You Uh had both the Def Jam games came out during that time. A fucking street hoops game got made. I think more than one (laughs) actually. I, yeah. You're laughing because you probably played it. Yeah, I did too. Um, the, those those fucking mixtapes were burning up fucking charts everywhere. Um, the the N one hip hop mixtapes. Um, you there had so many crossover. different games. You had Kobe Iverson in the rap game. You had all these movies coming out that you guys talked about. Belly, all the the I think one of the three six mafia the choices movies came out after 04, but the first one came out during this time. The baller blocking came out during this time. It was in everything, it, it, everywhere during that period that, of time. Every and, and place that it could penetrate, it fucking did during that time. And that's what's missing from today. It's it's sorely missing to where the artists have aspirations, I guess, beyond just rapping, but also they are able to cross over into those realms. And it's like seamless. Like not everybody was seamless into acting because a lot not everybody can act. <laughs> like I think the game, I think game is one of those people. I thought Fifty when Fifty started acting, I was like, man, he's not a good actor. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, but I mean, now he got his own TV universe, and now you know what I mean. And now he's so it's just interesting. But like I thought, game was a terrible actor, like absolutely horrible. Like like I'd rather watch paint dry than watch. Nobody's worse than Silver the Shocker though. Well, back then too. A lot of these movies were either fully or co-financed by the record labels, like that Cash Money executive produced the Baller Block and stuff. Um, hypnotized. It looked like it. It definitely looked. Like well, it. I mean, you could. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying you could tell though they look like independent movies, but they're, still, they're, they're, they're. like, so like people didn't have to be people didn't have to be good actors to be in their own movies that they were paying to make. You know, so no, that fact. was another part of it that you don't see anymore. That is a fact. And I think it's because nobody has the money to, to, to do those things. So that's also like Master P came in and got it. He got a he got a P and D, you know, press and distribute deal, right? With priority records when he came out. And he got a ton of money up front and he and he got a ton of money on the back end. So he would front like you also gotta think that's also another thing that's different. And it's something that we as DAR as like a, as a rap crew, when we started out, that's something we tried to embody a little bit too, where you had in-house producer, you, you had, you know, uh, with a beat by the pound or whatever over at No Limit. You had Manny Fresh doing all of the beats there. So you cut costs. Instead of going and paying every popular producer at the time, instead of going and paying Timbaland for, and Puffy for like $600,000 for your beats, you just give them to your in-house guy and you can take all this extra money from your budget and then you can go make something else. You can make a video. You can make a movie. You can do all that. There's not any of that anymore because there's no money in the game anymore. Streaming and killed everything. Streaming is, and that was the intentions. It was the intentions of streaming I've always felt were to maximize the profits for the people that run these platforms and minimize the profits for the artists or the people that are on these platforms. Because look at Netflix, right? They had the story about, or Orange is the New Black, and, and Ted Sarandos from Netflix was bragging about how they were number one, and they got more viewers than Game of Thrones. And there's people who work on that show that were getting paid $25 per episode. So, you know, and there's no residuals that really come in from that. Because how can you, how can you measure 
what's what's monetized and how much you get off of people watching it on Netflix. This is there's it's like the streaming age is, is so different than it used to be, where you used to get points on your record when you put your album out. You know, you would get a deal, you get a upfront money. There's so much stuff on the business side of things in, in, in the industry that changed. And it was intended because, like I said, I think 50 and to an extent Kanye and, and guys like that. Like I never count Wayne in these discussions because Wayne was already there. Wayne was there and Wayne had a meteoric rise, but he was platinum anyway. Out the gate. People forget Wayne that Wayne was was doing it during the era that we're talking about right now. Yes. Like, <laughs> let alone now. Yeah. And, and so that's what's funny, too, when people talk about Wayne. I'm like, bro, Wayne was in 96 97 he was out there to get their hot boys get it how you live they had you know guerrilla warfare come after that he was on 400 degrees he was on soldier rag so like he wasn't a new rapper he said that he changed his image and it made people gravitate to oh wayne got dreads now he 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 pretty much did exactly the same stuff he was doing when he first came out he just got dreads and rapped a little differently that she just didn't even it became like a blood for however that happened but like, like there's a whole bunch of stuff there, but it's like, like I said, everything changed, and I think when when we talk about the culture and the impact, like I said, Fifty and Kanye, but Kanye wasn't like Kanye wasn't like one of us, in a sense, like he was, but he wasn't. Like Fifty was a dude you would see on your neighborhood. Kanye, what he was, Kanye was the guy you might see in the neighborhood, but that's the guy you might see at the library in your neighborhood. You know, it, it, it was different. And I hate that that's a it's a kind of stereotypical a little bit, but it's just a reality. It's like, like 50 is a guy like, he's not supposed to make it. He's not supposed to be here. And now he's taking advantage. He's hustling, showing you exactly what you're supposed to do. You get a meal out the deal and you're still on the grind. That's what he said. And you're making movies. You're making, you know, vi- you got you like vitamin, like vitamin water, bro. Like who, like who, th- who would think of that? Because when 50 was doing vitamin water, what was every other rapper doing? Liquor deals. That's what everybody was doing. Yes, Jay-Z it. had Armadale. Uh, Jim Jones and Cam had Scissor. <laughs> <laughs> and that, was, that was nasty. That shit was nasty. I wasn't, on, I wasn't supposed to be drinking it, but I had some Scissor. It was nasty. L- Lil John and them had Crunk Juice. They came up with their own Crunk Juice. Like, like it's, that's what I said. 50 was just different. And I think we've we're never going to see anything like that and it sucks now looking looking back at it, we're never going to see a Shaq crossover i mean because who in the well, nba today could i was okay that? so that was going to be my next question you're about to start talking about it we kind of covered how we don't see a lot of rappers crossing over into the other forms of entertainment and culture now why do you think we don't really see that many nba players or athletes in general trying to cross over into rap anymore no money in it I think so, yeah, because like the NBA money is so tremendous now, and the rap money is so horrible now. I just don't see why they would want to do that. I'm surprised John Moran ain't cut a verse yet, though. The way he be moving, but (laughs) you know, know, he's moving that way. He's gonna need to start cutting verses because he's gonna be out of a fucking job. But you know what? That that is, but that is interesting. That is interesting because in the '90s. A lot of NBA players, you know, the the the, the contracts weren't that grand back then. Right, right. But with rappers, if you see a Master P, they was getting see, that sound scan bread. Yeah, you 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 see Master P, and he he owned he owned No Limit. You see Birdman and all them, they own this, they own that, and you see how much they making. 
a lot of them were like, and plus, like I said, we all kind of came up, you know, like that's how you start rapping. You in the hood chilling with your people. Sometimes y'all y'all shooting the shit, you freestyle something, y'all put something together. And it's like when you're an athlete, David's you know, David Stern and all them, like they didn't crack down just yet in the beginning, uh, when they did the, you know, basketball's best kept best secret. Kept secret. <laughs> and I think and I think Shaq's image was was cool enough that there was no issue with the NBA having Shaq as like like a, a, a like a figurehead for for hip hop and and all stuff like that. But what what changes in that is, and a big part of it, Kobe Kobe tried to rap and to to varying degrees of success. <laughs> what I live for best ball beats and bras from Italian to US, keeping it raw. Like man, nobody would hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think that's the thing too, right there is you got um, you had Kobe come along. Kobe tried his hand at it, and I think Kobe was on like a "Say My Name" remix, Destiny Child remix. I think that was him on there. He was I with Brian McKnight on some shit too. He's talking yeah. about like something going down a girl's cheek. I forgot what he said. Blood, blood boils when you speak. Yeah, that, that's the one. Hold <laughs> on, I, I don't know. I, I know that one. I remember that one. That, that's a classic right there, boy. That's a classic right there. You can't. But, 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 AI I ruined think, it for everybody. Though. I was about to say, <laughs> Alan I was saying that's probably the jewels. This and then, and then Belly is probably the, the two crown jewels that we can end this off with. Fucking yeah, Alan like, Iverson. And here's the thing AI is hilarious to me because there's like absolutely no reason why he needed to rap. Especially because he was on the tail end of everything, right? Shaq was like six, seven years already into the game rap-wise. Uh, Kobe had tried his hand and stopped. I don't know the exact reason why Kobe never put that album out, but I would I would I would assume it was a, it was a good reason. Um, but I think Iverson, Iverson, honestly. And he's a very important piece of any conversation when you speak about culture. He he's another, he's another Nexus lot. guy. He's another Nexus guy. He was one of the guys. Rodman had a lot of tattoos, but he wasn't tatted up like Iverson was. There wasn't a ton of guys rocking that hairstyle. There wasn't a ton of the guys rocking the same kind of style off the court. And the timing of which he came when he rose in popularity was like right what we're talking about is the absolute like height of the crossover of everything that was going on. It didn't surprise me at all that that he did that and was pretty decent at it, other than some some very some very poor lyrical choices. <laughs> Which is funny, and this is this actually goes to something briefly briefly I always touch on is that in hip hop culture, hip hop culture there's a lot of there's a lot of verbiage, a lot of language that we use that a lot of people don't like hearing in their day-to-day now. And even back then, it was still stuff that made people jump. But if you go in the blocks and you go in these neighborhoods, a lot of people talk in that same way. And so there's always been, that's something that people were never going to talk about. And especially it matters when we're talking wrestling because wrestling people don't come from that background. So if people are aggressive or people talk a certain way, and then even basketball, you know, those those sponsorships and all those guys, they don't understand that. They don't understand the conversation. And, you know, you call it poor lyrical choices, but, you know, a lot, a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, a lot of brothers was, was talking well, like that. And, and and you know, this is probably a 
going to get a lot of head heads nodding and probably a conversation for another time. But um, while I and I, nobody here agrees with that verbiage that we're referring to, um, Eminem got away with it. <laughs> so what? What? what did the fuck? he? he I, did did he? Oh my god! Like that's another one. Another that's and again. That's not that's not me saying that it's okay. What I'm saying is is you know our, double standards. And the reason why it's, a it's not okay standard. for either one of them, but but double standards. Yeah, one guy, yeah, one guy had yeah, to end yeah. his career over it. The other guy AI was coming off the MVP and... though. Like some of the yeah, stuff he yeah, was yeah. saying in well, the yeah, they go bars. talk about some of the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Wait, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing about that too, which is interesting. The same year that Allen Iverson was the MVP, went to the NBA Finals, and was rapping this verbiage, Eminem sold 18 million records. Eminem was nominated for Grammys. Eminem has a skit on that same album that's nominated for Grammys that simulates the sound of a man getting fellatio from another man. He uses every word. He tries to, he, he verbally kills the mother of his child on a song. Premeditated murder on a song. But you know, in hip hop, they said we're too gangster, we're too violent. I would say making a song where you murder the mother of your children is just as bad, if not worse. But it all goes back to the culture. Eminem, talented, he's a talented rapper. It's always been talented. He, he did good lyricists, put his words together. But has Eminem ever been considered a part of our culture and hip hop culture? He has roots in hip-hop culture. Battle rap. He's D12. But I can tell you, and X, you can attest to this for sure. I done been on different blocks in every city. Not once have I heard anybody talk about Eminem. Until Eminem signed 50. And I heard, then I heard more people in my neighborhood. Like, yeah, the white boy, cool, man. He be brought, you know, he, he, bought, he bought fifth end, man. That's cool. But I didn't hear people in my neighborhood bumping I Am, whatever you said. Even though it was a big song, they weren't bumping it in my neighborhood. But I heard Jules, 40 bars, <laughs> get played in my neighborhood. It was like, yo, you hear AI rapping? Yo, yo, he, he talking some shit on here, yo. Yo, he, yo, yo sure he talking some shit. For I heard that growing up. So it's interesting because Marshall Mathers LP, the 18 million. I never once heard it in my neighborhood. Jules 40 bars did nothing. But we all knew about it. There's people who who, who probably like like you know NBA Twitter. You know, they bunch of young kids in NBA Twitter, they don't they don't know much about basketball. They probably don't they they just know obviously there's a crossover guy. That's not that wasn't super efficient when he would take a shot. His 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 TS was this thing, like shit like that. They don't right. know. So it's interesting that like we talking about it. It's like Iverson was the quintessential piece of culture in basketball after Jordan. There's no like Kobe was there, but Kobe wasn't Fro Kobe was like not quite as revered as Iverson. We felt he wanted to be like Jordan. Like, he emulated Jordan so much. AI was just different. Like, he had a different yeah. swag. Shooting sleeves. 
like the finger bands, the tats, the braids. Yep. Like he just had his own flavor, man. And that's why he was respected more. Yeah. It's, so whenever you have whenever you have somebody who stands out from the crowd, you're always gonna have somebody to leave the mark. And, and, and an example would be, and maybe I'm I'm tracking down the wrong thing. You guys just answered me honestly. Where you were at, which shoe was more important? The Iversons or the Kobe's? Oh, the Iversons. About four. Absolutely. 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 I didn't I didn't know anybody that actually that actually nobody that moon shoe Kobe's, man. <laughs> yeah. I understand nobody they get Kobe, love man. now, but back then, fuck. I never heard nobody talk about buying no damn Kobe's, bro. Like, and and no, and I was I was a big I was a big Kobe fan coming up. Like when him and Shaq and they were doing their thing, I like it was it was it was it was Iverson, Kobe, Vince Carter. And that's another thing. Vince Carter is another one too, who he wasn't necessarily he wasn't a rapper or anything like that, but his impact was felt in the hip hop culture. A lot of people, you know, slammed like Vince Carter. That was a line that everybody was using in their raps because Vince Carter made it look cool. Like he felt like he was a part of the culture too. T Mac, another one, low key. Like these are people, you know. So like, there's, there's like those players. Even as those those athletes weren't trying to be rappers, they still appealed. They still were hanging out with a lot of rappers. They were at the same parties, and so like they all intersected. I think, uh, you know, even he he rapped at one point. Even like you know, 2003, LeBron came into the league, and LeBron got a couple rap songs out, which like you know, him and KD. But like, fuck with me, you know I got it. Like, like, like <laughs> read home, people. But like, but like, even that, right? Like, LeBron, LeBron was on one of 50's mixtapes. He hosted one of 50's mixtapes. Like, like that doesn't get talked about. It's surprising. He was on 50's mixtape. So like, even then, you still had that link to hip hop with. With basketball, even there, even as a rookie coming, he was he wasn't even I didn't even get drafted yet, Philly. So like seeing all of that stuff, like there's so much. It was so much there, and Iverson was the catalyst, I think, for the post Jordan era. Kobe and Shaq were winning, but in terms of identifying, you had the I think Iverson, T Mac, Vince Carter, players like that. They kind of set the tone for the for the bronze and the mellows to come in after and 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 have a attachment to the culture because everybody was just attached to Jordan growing up. We was all attached to Jordan growing up because who else who else was there really to you know like you uh, you, you 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 hit the shot, put your tongue out, and, and you know do the do the fadeaway and all that stuff like that. Like even that was like Jordan wasn't hip hop hip hop culture. But he was just so cool at what he did, made it look so seamless and easy. Everybody just want to replicate that, and people be like, "Yo, I'm, you know, like I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike." That was something that we heard in our neighborhoods. I want to be like Mike. Like all of that stuff was 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 like a part of our culture, and it's just interesting now. We don't have none of that. Gordon was thing- listening to fucking Anita Baker and Kenny Lattimore. He ain't even like hip hop. So, which is so funny, which is so funny because he all the rappers like, fuck with him. Like, rappers thing. love him. Like he right. he Jordan don't realize this. Maybe he do now, but he was the embodiment of what hip hop culture was. You mm-hmm. go out there, you win, you talk your shit. He's a shit talk. Jordan is a grade A oh, that's the, the, the quintessential <laughs> shit talker. Shit talker. And like that's hip hop. 
So it's just funny, like you listening to Kenny Lattimore and Nita Baker, Shante Moore, and then you go drop 50 on on and like you win in three in a row. Like that's crazy. But that's why I think like it's the AI. AI was that like like once Jordan retired, it was like we needed somebody that we that we could lean on as you know as a part of the culture. And I think AI was absolutely the guy. AI was it. And he does not get enough credit for, in my opinion, for being that bridge in the post-Jordan era to keep keep the the excitement alive and keep the feeling alive. Because we ain't have much, man. We did not have much after that. We Tim Duncan, I, I love Tim Duncan. Nobody was nobody was like he ain't had no cultural impact for us. David Robinson's even even Hakeem the Dream, as great as he was, is no cultural impact. Charles Barkley kind of had a little impact. Like we really did like Barkley coming up. But you needed your Kobe's, you needed your Iversons, you need that fresh young blood, you needed T Max, you needed Vince Carter. And G too. I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. love KG. Yeah, oh yeah, no, for KG. sure. KG. Yeah. So it's like I said, man, it, it's just so many <clears throat> like, and that's another guy. KG is another one. He embodies that culture, he, uh, hip hop culture, one hundred percent. He really embodies vice lord culture, but uh, <laughs> that's 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 that's, that's, that's hip hop culture too. So, um, nah, man. So yeah, and I I, I know we we talked about it a couple times. You brought up I heard Belly. All right, DMX. so yeah, there we go. Main event. This is how we're gonna roll out. Probably the most infamous version of of this conversation. It's it's starred in two rappers. There's other TLC, the, the 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 young lady from TLC is in it as well, I believe, right? Um, T Boz, yeah, T Boz. Yeah, T Boz is, is in it. Uh Method Man's in it. Um nope. I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of people I'm forgetting. It's directed by Hype Williams, who did so many classic rap videos. This is kind of the 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 apex and also, like I said, most infamous. You're gonna find a lot of people with a lot of opinions. I I get it. Uh, best oh one of the best opening scenes ever. Them in the fucking club with the fucking demon eyes, with the steady "Are you ready?" playing. Fucking tremendous, tremendous opening scene. Right up there with me with like Blade and stuff like that. Tremendous opening scene. It. Other than that's that, about, go ahead, guys. It. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> Thoughts on Belly. That's about it's just it. all over the place, man. Like it don't really make sense. It was just like throwing together. And then Nas is the lead actor was trash. Like just I don't know. It's just not a good movie looking back. I understand <laughs> why some people like it. But I just can't get cheeky with it. Well, I'll say this: I I I absolutely enjoy. Um, I enjoy watching. Uh, I enjoy watching uh, Belly for a couple of things, for a couple of reasons. So the first reason, first reason is I find uh, what's I forgot the girl's name, but uh, the the shorty that the DMX was in, the, she was real shiny and, and her, uh, her name in the movie is is Keisha, I believe. Uh. Just because I so vividly remember Nas's description of her in while in the movie, yeah. Well, I, I, I her I, name. Yeah, like I, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I know I, I I like I like the movie in the sense of what Nas represents in the movie. Now I appreciate what Nas represented in the movie because I related to that a lot more than I think I realized growing up. 
like I related to that. He was the cat who he was trying to get out the he was trying to get out the game, and he just I guess he didn't see a way out the game. And but he Nas is a terrible actor. Nas has been Horror. in several movies, and you know Nas is one of my favorite rappers ever. But I wish he never, ever, ever stepped foot on a movie set because. I think that's I think the problem with Belly is that Hype Williams directed it and I think he had a vision of turning these two rappers who DMX and Nas to me don't have chemistry. If it, it, and as actors, maybe as people, because we didn't see them do much else anything. They never did records together after the movie like that. You know, they didn't have they had they, they did records around the town and did movie and that was it. You never heard them get like DMX was doing most songs with Jay and and, and Ja Rule and, and Jada Kiss and Styles P. So it's interesting because I didn't I think you could have found X someone else that fit better for that. Nas was just one of the biggest rappers in the world at the time. You know, he had the I Am album and he was doing Hate Me Now with, with Puffy and he was selling three, four million records. Obviously, we know DMX. At that point, was was the biggest, probably biggest thing in the game. So you know, one album's the same year, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think Belly was an experiment to take two rappers with zero acting experience at the time and put them like in on a feature film and see if it works. And I think the labels probably thought, hey, we got Nas over here on Columbia, we got DMX on Def Jam. These are two of the biggest rappers. Nas just sold 500,000 his first week. DMX just sold two back-to-back multi-platinum albums. Number one, why don't we see if they can draw people to the theater? But where's the incentive to watch this movie? Because there's nothing, like, there was nothing personable, I think. There was no type of, like, like DMX didn't have a, a Boys in the Hood or a Juice Roll, right? So, like, oh, my Epps is a star of Juice. Cuba Gooding Jr. is a star of Boys in the Hood. Ice Cube was a was a secondary character. Um, right, right. <laughs> you know, and then in Juice, Pac is he's the he's like the quote unquote villain in the movie, but the movie is about Q. It's about Omar Epps. So when you see that, that's I think that's what the bridge like the bridge they 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 missed that if. If if Belly came out in 99, 2000, maybe, and Nas had been in, like, I don't fucking, like, had been in Don't Be a Man, I don't know, like, anything else, and DMX had had, like, a brief cameo and something prior, I feel like the movie would have been a little bit more well-received because it's your first time seeing both of them in acting roles, and they're starring and carrying a movie. It's impossible because, like, like I said, even when Ice Cube's first role is Doughboy, but because it's a it's it's a it's a secondary role, you you like oh okay, okay I, I dig that okay like even LL LL became a star he starred in a couple movies, but you had to see him first, and even Nas Nas never showed charisma or personality as a rapper either in his videos. He's you know there's nothing there. He just you know when he was doing if I would work, he's just standing there, imagine that yo he just he's, there's nothing there. <laughs> Right. So that's what Belly is missing. Belly is missing that charisma. It's missing that like it's it's missing a, a secondary star. DMX, because I, I give X's props, man. X was a good actor for you know, he was a good I think he was a pretty good actor for what he did. I think in Belly though, he wasn't acting. 
<laughs> he's just being next. <laughs> he's just being himself. So I think when I look at Belly, that's that's what I see. I see DMX being himself with the cameras on and Nas attempting. Nas probably being himself too. He's born, he's just probably born dude, who just you know, <laughs> trying to go to Africa. That really sounds like Nas. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, <laughs> so what's like funny Nas. about Belly is is you know, everybody kind of reacts the same way when you bring it up, like like we all just did. But everybody who was our age remembers that remembers a lot of shit from that movie, like remembers things yeah. from it. Um the opening yeah. scene, the <laughs> the kit butt naked scene. <laughs> yeah. You gonna yeah. get yours B. <laughs> you know? Um the uh I all the stuff that you're talking about, people remember. Painful a lot of stuff. better though. Yeah, like because they actually had painful is a legitimate game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Legitimate, uh, good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will not speak my opinion on Peter. <laughs> Cameron killed that shit, man. I, I, I think he he, he killed something. Um, I am not a fan of painful. There's a couple reasons why. I don't, I always hated that story. I mean, the real life story is based upon it's a couple things. I I think Paid in Full is a movie where it's supposed to be a good story, but it doesn't hit with me. It don't resonate, if that makes sense. So that's, no, that's I get all it. I'll say. I, it's I supposed it. to hit, but it don't. Like It don't. Like, I feel like basically the whole I don't know New York New York uh, street stories is uh, in, in movie form. I don't feel like they're that interesting to me, um, especially when you like you know you know some of the stuff and some of the people involved that that happened in it. it it's not interesting to me. I will say though, I think Paid in Full has a great soundtrack because there's two sound there's two two soundtracks, which is something we we did not actually get to cover here. Is how important soundtracks were. To also bridging the gap for a lot of things, even in that movie to hip hop crossover, soundtracks really played a major role because if you had a good rapper on your movie, then you knew they was gonna bless the soundtrack with some fire too. And uh, I know, I know, we we had talked in the chat about waiting to exhale and stuff like <laughs> and movies like that, but even that, it's not exactly hip hop with more R and B, you know, R and B culture than anything. But waiting to exhale is one of the most interesting soundtracks ever because it's literally a bunch of songs about women written by man. (laughs) I think it's the most, it's the most interesting situation that all these songs are ballads by women written by babyface, And, you know, but soundtrack, soundtrack is what really soundtrack is what makes the movie. Wait and exhale as a movie a standalone movie. There's some, some some funk and some stank over there. It's not it's not a good movie. That man hating bullshit, man. I mean, every it man is. looks shitty except for Gregory Hines. That's some nut and, shit. And and even Gregory Hines, like, even uh, like I, he was, I was on the fence a little bit about him. But that's but that's what I'm saying. The '90s, there's the stuff that they they made in the '90s and got away with. They probably could get they could make written exhale now. They could make that. Oh yeah, there's a lot of man hating women on the timeline. Like, <laughs> you could do that. That should resonate. You can so, do that, but you can't gosh, make that. You can't make a belly. You can't make a belly like that now. You nah. couldn't do that because remember, Vita 
from Murder Inc. was in the movie. Oh yeah, she, she was too. Yeah, she and she was sixteen, and she was in a car with DMX. She's gonna be sixteen, mm. and we know she was doing the car with DMX. You can't make that shit today. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing. And I, even now, when I watch that, like when I look at look back, I'm like, why was that in the movie? But then you think about it's, it. It's another memorable scene. That was the other one I was trying to think of that everybody remembers. The there's a when, there's when a Kiana dark... calls Keisha. And yeah, says oh, yeah. I don't fucking Kiana. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the line. <laughs> but here, but here, here's the thing, right? About that, even that, even that scene. There's a conversation we're not gonna have. But that scene. Probably a lot more realistic than people really, really, really want to talk about, unfortunately, because that's why I say you can't make that type of stuff now because there's so many things that we didn't that were there in the 90s and still there now, really, and really that people just like don't know about. But you, you, you couldn't put that in blatant sight in any film uh, nowadays and nor should you. Um, nor should you, but it's just interesting looking back. I'm thinking about it as we're going along. I'm like, man, like you can make waiting to exhale now, you know. You you can make, but you can make a boys in the hood now. You could make a menace to society now if you wanted. People love. Hey, don't give them fucking ideas because they're doing that ghastly bullshit with men, white man can jump. <laughs> Why oh, they, the they remade house? They did a new house party. God. Um, and Men's Society Kane was wild for one to move with that woman despicable. all the way to Atlanta. He knew it for like two weeks. Like Kane <laughs> okay, was a piece on, of hold shit. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, that is very funny to me. When you think about Men's Society, his OG had a baby by like gave him Jada Pink. I think that was his, that was his son, right? That him and Jada Pink had a son together. His yeah. uh, Kane's OG, and Kane stepped in. And start, fuck, and start having sex with Jada Pinkett's character and say, I'm getting out of here and moving with you and your son by my OG to Atlanta because she want to get away from the hood. I mean, let's be real. That's a realistic story. <laughs> that's a realistic <laughs> that's a, that's a story. Really, I mean, we ain't, we ain't going to get into it, but a lot of brothers, a lot of brothers out here is, is, is moving like that. But like, like even that, though, you could make that now because it happens now. It happens now. Maybe not the hood. Like the hood experience is probably a little different now than it was in the nineties, because you know. But you could make. I mean, in Atlanta, you uh, shit. You could make a bunch of movies similar to that about just in Atlanta, L.A., Chicago, shit like that. It's just the the you know the the areas change. But you brought up soundtracks, and we'll have to we'll have to go through the whole evolution of music thing in another another one because yeah, we're yeah, yeah, hour yeah. and a half deep. The Friday, back to our beginning, our 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 nexus. I think our our number one overall of of this type of conversation, Ice Cube, the Friday soundtrack. The soundtrack went two times platinum. Mm, no, a double platinum Keep soundtrack. <laughs> it's a great fucking album. It's a great fucking song. Um, I, the, the the funny thing is you brought it up. I just every time I think about a Friday soundtrack, I just see uh Ezel on a, <laughs> when he pulls up. Oh yeah, <laughs> like when Keep Your Hands Ringing is playing in the background. But it it really is 
like Friday is a great fucking soundtrack. I think we have articles on the DAR site talking about hip hop soundtrack. And I think Above the Rim Above uh, the Rim was fire. Was yeah. a great fuck soundtrack. Um they they had Boomerang. an ace time. Yeah, Bo- Boomerang is is in terms of R and B songs, and because it's mostly R and B on it, but it had a couple rap stuff, uh rap songs on it. But like Boomerang is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Like Above the Rim. You could talk about New Jersey Drive, uh movie Space lots Jam. you can talk about. Uh Space Jam had an interesting Interesting, interesting, interesting soundtrack. I want both of you. uh, Go ahead. Go ahead and look at me in my face right now on this Zoom and tell me at the age that we were all at when Space Jam came out that you were not slamming that album. Tell a lie. Look at me in the face and tell me (laughs) that you were not pumping that album. That's right. (laughs) I was listening to Space Jam soundtrack. The one song that was on that soundtrack that I did not like is the song that everybody knows from that soundtrack. You know what's funny is I was thinking about uh opening this pod, the opening music being the uh, the Monstars theme because that song's awesome. But I'm like, I don't know if that many people will know what that song is. Oh, well, hit consider- them high. Yeah, hit them high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, considering that there's a Space Jam <laughs> that came out, speaking of, uh, speaking of athletes crossing over to movies, there was a Space Jam remake that was horrible. Not that the not that the first Space Jam was was great, but I think did they have a soundtrack for that one? I feel like so. I feel like there is there's something briefly that that people are trying to make soundtracks again because I've noticed like some of the TV shows and some of the, like the movies that have like black. I mean, like that's a people that's a great example though because we don't even we can't even say off the top of our head whether the new one even had a soundtrack, which is sad. The first one. I can't even describe to people who are listening to this how much of a fucking cultural phenomenon the Space Jam soundtrack was at the fucking time. It, I don't think, maybe arguably, it was it was bigger bigger than the movie. It was a huge fucking deal. Smash hit off of it. Space that, Jam soundtrack. Goated. That it was. That the second it. one, Braun is sick nigga for bringing up his like career accolades. He had like that three minute span. But he was oh, like, yeah, was LeBron did this, this, and that. And he's one of the greatest. My girl who barely watches basketball was like, he's really this arrogant? I'm like, yes. LeBron loves himself. He loves himself. I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. He's supposed, supposed to be confident, supposed to love yourself. But in a Space Jam movie, look, man, and look, at the end of the day, <laughs> I will say this. One of the things that I, that I miss about film is that itself the score and the soundtrack because those are two different things the scores you, you, you they put some just piano loops in the back and and it might not even be on the soundtrack or it might be on the soundtrack but it's just that's what's missing from the film like there's no excitement there's no it, there's no tapped into the culture with with these films and i know that we we had joked about this song but i still think the best man soundtrack was pretty really really that's a real another one that's really good too that people don't talk about I, obviously outside of the best man i could be there's other songs <laughs> like maxwell maxwell got a song on there a couple other songs on there you know and another i was gonna point out a black movie that people do not watch or do mention it's a black uh comedy the brothers now this movie was something a lot of people don't don't talk about i actually thought it was a pretty good movie i think that whole 90s so like that's another thing too about the evolution of music evolution of movies and black film we started with boys in the hood south centrals 
the menace societies. And then it evolved into the thin lines between love and hate type, you know, that then it was bad boys. And, and so you, you start to see different, you know, bad boys sound, bad boys had soundtracks uh, for, for one and two and bad boys, two soundtracks was actually, actually pretty, pretty, I think that went platinum, a double platinum too. Yeah, so. I think it went a million times platinum because I was the yeah. one that had Miami on it. Yeah. And so you have these, you know, these moments in these movies in the evolution of those movies is interesting because once again, every one of these movies has some type of hip hop connotation to it or rapper in it. Like bad boys, obviously Will Smith from rapper, you have Friday soundtrack, obviously ice cube. Um, you know, even, even when like, it's like, it's like, you know, as like the, wood. the wood, the wood is, I was, I was thinking, I was trying to think even that, like even the players club, I was bringing players club because players club had a great soundtrack too. Phenomenal uh, soundtrack. Rapid yeah. forte. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And so you have all these different, these different soundtracks to where it's like it, it, the evolution of the film, the soundtracks evolved with it. So like Friday was like a lot of like, you know, West Coast, like we smoking, we, we, you know, we, we, we bang and we, 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 whatever records. And then you get to the players club where you got Adina Howard talking about t-shirt and my panties on. And you got, you know what I'm saying? You got, we be clubbing and shit like that. You got ice cube. Like, so it's, it's just a different, it's like, like the sounds went from, hood films street films to now we in the strip club or now we like i i, I run a, i run a nightclub like then line between love and hate another one that has a good soundtrack too like all the black movies from these back in the day you can literally go to all these black movies from the 90s and every one of them like 98 percent of them have a soundtrack and most of the soundtracks are fire blue streak a martin movie blue i was streak. just about to, i was trying to think of what it was called that's the ice cube so how many fucking times have we said ice cube the man so, um the what was the song uh oh no what's the other one you can do uh, it put your back into it i don't remember what yeah. the fucking song was called but that's the hook blue streak yes with martin yes and so you and and and, and continue with ice cube next friday has a good soundtrack um it's, it's it's so many movies bro like it's so many movies that through the 90s and the 2000s that the soundtrack did such a job a job of lifting that movie from just your regular typical movie to with a soundtrack you bump it in your car when it when it came out or you listen to it in your head in your in your in your, in your walkman and then when you watch the movie you got memories tied to those songs like yo we was out at the party and they played this song and like oh it's in the movie like that's missing and it's never gonna we're never gonna get that again we're never gonna get that again so i'm glad we got to experience that era i wish more people got to experience that era uh and, and and that feeling because to have a film and music that goes along with it it's a perfect tie-in it's a perfect tie-in and there's scenes where you know i mean even like like real quick like next friday there's a one scene where they smoking in the uh in back of pinkies and it's i forgot i forgot i, I think it's one of those songs i'm gonna smoke what i want to smoke fuck that and I don't yes. even know, like, and I didn't even know what that song was, but that stuck, that stuck in my head from that scene, and 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 then and then the, the one where they, I think another way smoking this, and this is I think it's Bone Thugs. Oh yeah, busy they smoking. Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like all of that type of stuff, and then even even on something like on Friday when 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 Smokey's and they play and he's doing the you know Mary Jane and you know what I'm saying like it just it's just those moments. There's no songs that do that now. Like there's nothing. There's nothing you can look back and tie them to. And I, 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 it shit really sucks. Like, 
and like I said, we don't have a lot of movies for 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 the culture anyway anymore. So uh, that's that's a big issue. Um, and I wish we had rappers or artists who could appeal and cross over and be in that because movie stars now, there's no there's never gonna be another crossover movie star. Just I, I just don't see it. I just don't. I think hip hop as a genre, um, there's still some good stuff out there, but I think we cook. <laughs> I think it's cooked, bro. I, I really think it's cooked. I like, and I hate to say that, but and I I don't want to end on obviously on this note, but I think the the genre is cooked a bit because we letting anybody get a hold of rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like even Gunna, Gunna, Gunna's whole situation. I can't speak on it because I don't know all the background of paperwork and all that. But even just the thought of that 20, 30 years ago, you out of here. You out of here. Like. It's just, it's different. Like I said, the game is different, man. And the last thing I'm going to say is I miss the versatility of everything. Because, like Eric mentioned before, you had multiple types of basketball games. Like, it wasn't just 2K yep. by itself. You had mm-hmm. 2K Live, NBA Street, NBA Ballers, um, NBA Street Hoops, Courtside, like, you had a bunch of different varieties. And that was just, like, throughout any genre. Like, it wasn't just one type of hip-hop. It wasn't just one type of black movie. You had multiple types. You had multiple different sounds. I just feel like the versatility is missing. You, you were 100% right, brother. <laughs> there is no versatility in in anything now. And that sucks. We uh, sorely miss versatility um excitement <laughs> you know what i mean like there's a lot of things missing bro yeah, yeah. like I, I was about to say something kind of spicy but i don't want to i don't want to end on a on a negative note either nah, you um, can say what you feel man say what you gotta say bro <laughs> no it it kind of feels like the and there might be sources that we don't know uh, but to me i feel like all that stuff was like really prevalent back then like you didn't have to look far um to find it to even the smaller uh black movies and now it feels like hollywood is more interested in the funding and placement of black characters to appease white liberals than they are of putting together you know smaller black films oh you oh you oh you talking spicy you're talking spicy spicy okay this is my type talk this is my type talk let's go i mean (laughs) we're talking about how we don't see uh, you know, your smaller movies like that anymore. I just remember, you know, you could go to Blockbuster and like I said, it wasn't hard to find. That stuff was there in abundance. There's a reason that, you know, a poor white kid that grew up in a trailer park, I still saw all these movies. I know what we're talking about. And I just don't feel like it's that abundant anymore or that available or that. And, you know, nowadays we have the ability to promote things on such a grassroots level way more than we did back then. Facts. But stuff, but the smaller black movies used to get placement in, in the big chains and blockbuster and things like that. And you just don't, you just don't see that many of them anymore. Um, and that's a fact. And, and I don't know, it, it kind of seems like that's the type of stuff that Hollywood's going out of its way to do. Like what I said, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, you you you're definitely not wrong. I think a lot of us uh share that sentiment. 
Um, I know I do. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, a lot of us share that sentiment, bro. Um, I've, I've always felt it was a bit on purpose why things aren't like they should be and why we can't get anything. And um, that's the game, though, right? <laughs> They made it harder for uh, individual scripts to get read as much. You got to have an agent. And um, I forgot the other thing. I think it's – I forgot exactly what it's called. But I think it's like a domain something, some type of domain, where they made it harder for individual and independent movies to get released as easy as it was in the 90s. Uh, It's independent something, independent domain, I think. So they have officially made it harder. I remember I was trying to shop a script a couple years ago, and they was like, we can't even open mm-hmm. it unless you have an agent. I was like, damn, how do I get an agent? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, they definitely make it tougher now for independent films. The, uh, the, the system is rigged, as they say. The system is rigged. It's not set up for... I say this because as an independent artist who works with major companies here and there system is not set up for you to prosper completely. You have to go through a lot of things to get to a certain point. And I'm being very careful on how I, how I word this, but it's not set up for you to win. It's not set up for culture based stuff to be prominent because they want to showcase safer images. They want to showcase particular images that don't even reflect reality you step outside your house right now you go take a drive 15 minutes you ain't seeing half the shit that's on them kenya bear shows you're not witnessing stuff like that you know what i'm saying like people are starving out here people are struggling people are trying to pay bills you see a movie like friday as dumb as it is it's motherfucker selling weed <laughs> you can <laughs> go down the street and see somebody doing that right now you know what right. I'm saying? menace society like if you grew up in certain areas like that was a regular life. If you grew up over the West Coast, Boys in the Hood, Men's Society, that's normal stuff. Guess what? They still doing shit like this out there in the West Coast. In Chicago, you, they doing crazy shit over there. St. Louis, you know what I'm saying? Like here, Baltimore, they still doing wild shit. Atlanta, I'll be in Atlanta. Hey, it's crazy down there. You know what I'm saying? Like you getting robbed in Buckhead. Like, so when you see these images that reflect one type of thing, and don't necessarily re- reflect reality, it's done on purpose. It's done on purpose. And if there was enough variety to where we had, you know, obviously, you know, people don't like stereotypical stuff. I get that. But stereotypical stuff still existed back then. You know, you still had your rapper-led movies. You had your rappers on television shows. You had this, that, and the other. You had this, that. You had a this over here. You had that over here. You had for for you had the wood. You had best man. You had your waiting to exhales, but you had your don't be a menace with doing parodies. You had your thin line between love and hate. You had your bad boys. You had uh your your sunset parks. You had your your ride. You had let's get on the bus or whatever. Get on the bus. You had all these different movies that were not the same. None of these things are the same. Well, and that back to what we were saying. When was the last time you've seen anything of like that get a major release, right. or even a soft major release? Like, 
people talk about how it's like all about franchises and all about temples now. Like, and yes, it is. And that's a part of it, but uh, it's inexcusable that a certain demographic is with those movies has basically fucking gone extinct. The blackest like, movie they, they green light in the, in the state is black Panther. That's the blackest exactly, movie you get. Exactly. But that's like this major franchise temple. You don't see anything like a thin line. And that's not and culture. Hate. You don't see anything. Uh, I, I was going to let, let you say that, not me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, saying, that's that culture. Right? Yeah. That's it's, what we're talking about. Like, it's, it's not that kind shit. of a movie. Yeah, it's a comic movie. It's not that kind of a movie. You don't see a thin line love and, 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 and you I, don't see uh and I a love and basketball. You don't see like you don't see that level of movie anymore at all. Like you just brought up a really good point, and I want to point this out really quickly. The only person that was doing a lot of black led movies uh in the last decade was Kevin Hart. And I and 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 he's the only one. Think like a man. Think like a man too. And he did the movies with Rock, and he had a movie with Ice Cube. That's like the only movies where you see black stars. And Kevin Hart was doing it. I don't know. People talk about Kevin Hart. I get it. He's not as funny as he used to be. Whatever. I agree. I don't really watch too much of his stuff like that anymore. But he did attempt to bring that back into an to an extent. And I think even Eddie Murphy came out with Dolomite is my name at, at one point where that's a nothing but like, you know, 98% black cast. And it's like, that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. We're missing those kind of movies where it's like, hey, I remember when Dolomite is my name came out, everybody I know watched that shit was like, yo, you see that? Yo, you see it? And I got excited because I'm like, yo, we we are we back? Like, are we back? Are we, are we like Eddie Murphy back? Like. You know what I mean? Bad Boys 3 came out. Even though Bad Boys 3 didn't really, you know, some people liked, some people didn't. I remember when it first came out, I went to the theater, I sat and watched it. And I, I went to, like, the fancy theater where you get the food and they bring it bring it to you and shit. And, like, I was excited because it's, like, it's a remnant of our past. A remnant of that something I grew up watching the Bad Boys series. And it's, it's Martin. It's Will Smith. It's something that you identify with and that, that has been a fixture. Like, I just like where where is that? And it's like, why does it always have to be a franchise for it to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like, why can't we just get, you know, and I guess also another thing, the most important thing of all of this, there's no stars. So how are you gonna have stuff in the culture if there's no stars? We don't make stars anymore. We make brands, we make names, we don't make stars. The culture has no stars. You know, you can talk about the Jay-Z's of the world, the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's and stuff like that. Those are stars made from the old world, I like to call it. You know, that's not today. Little, like, I, I'm not, and I'm not harping on Lil Baby, but Lil Baby, because he's got his shit, his canceled, shit got canceled. Lil Baby could walk down the street. A lot of people are not going to know who that is. Martin Lawrence could walk down the street. Everybody going to know who that is. Will Smith, everybody knows who that is. Denzel Washington, everybody knows who that is. The the I mean, Black Panther, the Chadwick Boseman before he passed away. The truth of that though, even though he was huge, that's a huge movie. There's still probably a large section of pe- section of people who you could walk by and they still don't know who he is. Because you don't see Chadwick Boseman, you see you don't see T'Challa, you see the Black Panther. There's a large people, group of people who just saw that so it's like like i said we don't make stars we make brands 
We make names, but we don't make stars. And that's been the culture for uh, about two decades now. There's nobody you can pinpoint that's a star. Like Denzel Washington said to Steve Harvey once, the difference between me and you is people see me in this, and I saw this on YouTube shorts recently. That's why I bring it up. He, he, he said, he told Steve Harvey, when people come up to you, they say, hey, Steve, I saw you on Family Feud. Survey said, shit like that. They come up there and they laughing with you, joking with you. They see me, oh, Denzel, oh my God, can I take a picture with you? I'm not in the whole fandom thing or like, you know, celebrity worship thing, but it's just, it's a different level of respect a fan will give you because you're a star. They feel like it's you're important to them, and they don't have any of that anymore. And we're never gonna have that again because anybody could go to YouTube right now, make some videos, go viral, and you got a brand, you got a name. But there's a whole millions of people who don't fucking know who you are because your brand, your name, you're not a star, you don't create content that gets people excited your brand your name you're not the culture you're not a star you know what is the culture dar is the culture (laughs) (laughs) i just feel like we gotta get away this is the last thing i'm gonna say i feel like we gotta get away from like trying to explain like culture to other people all the time like when you watch an episode of blackish or some shit He'd be like, this is me as a black man and how we got to live in America and got to deal with it. Like, nobody want to hear that shit all the time, man. Just let us just be us. Like, we're not having these convos in real life. If we and True would kick it, we'd be at the studio, he'd be at my house, some shit. I want to be like, yo, True, as a black man in Baltimore, how do you feel about how the white man treats you? Like, we we don't talk like that. (laughs) But for whatever reason... These shows are trying to portray that shit. It's just like, that shit's forced, you know? Like, that's why I don't really like Kenny Burris like that. Like, I hate to, like, throw him under the bus, but a lot of his content stinks, man. Like, it don't, it don't have staying power. Like, I don't feel like I could watch his shows and his movies, like, 10 years from now. I agree. I agree. That's, that's all I'll say. I agree. Um, I've never sat through a long extended blackish, and the the last thing I'll say is a funny story. So I have I have somebody who's like an acquaintance of mine, and he was he randomly like you know he he's like hey man you ever seen blackish? <laughs> and I was like why the hell you asked me that shit? <laughs> like like wait he was like no nah, man like I just started watching it on Hulu man it's pretty cool and I was like you like it he's like yeah I was like cool I was like you can keep that over there though. And like, but like I thought about it and it made me think like this is the content that they're giving as oh this is the culture and it's not reality based it is reality based maybe you know maybe out there in, you know certain parts of the world but it's not the overall you know but I like why is it blackish why is that the show why couldn't it just been a regular sitcom which not about that why couldn't it just be a black family, you know, with their kids going to high school and college and, and they're navigating through that? Why does it have to be, this is what we go to as black people? And blah, blah, blah. Like, why? Why? Every episode, though, it's a fucking lecture. It's, it's just like, like nobody, 
that it's it, it's forced, like you said, it's forced, and it's like when you go outside, black people, we just exist. We just exist. We go through, obviously, you know, shit with police brutality. These are real things. We do go through discrimination and racism. These are real things. But guess what? We've been dealing with that. This shit ain't new. So if it's new to you, which is what a lot of these shows are making it like, oh my God, I didn't know that people went through discrimination like this. So where the fuck have you been? Where <laughs> have you been? That's where it's like I said, people don't go outside, man. People don't, as my as my lovely daughter likes to say, people need to go touch grass. Experience life. <laughs> <laughs> Touch grass. Experience life. I don't know why eleven year old is talking like that, but <laughs> that's what she says, and she's right though. If you go outside, you go to go to your local bar this weekend. You're gonna see black people in there, you might see some white people in there. You want to see some Spanish people in there, some Asian people in there, and they live in their lives. It's not nobody is in the in the moment like, ah, oh, this is. Let me tell you something. Why they sit their beard? Let me tell you what I go through as a black man. No, it's not about that. That's not what we like. Treat black entertainment like black entertainment. Treat it like entertainment where you want to laugh. You want to like let maybe cry at something because somebody died in the shit. You might, you know, something you can identify with. Not most of us can't identify with black. And that's just the reality. There are like 10 to 15% of us that might, and then there's white people. Because think about it. Black is just on ABC. What black shows ever was on ABC before? Family Matters. That was it. And how many of us could relate to Family Matters? Not a lot. Thank you. Not a lot of us. Who the fuck could relate to being Urkel? Nobody. Nobody. There's one person who likes who likes Family Matters that I know. And that man's name is Will Washington. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I have given Will Washington shit for this Well, for now years. you know, too. Carl Winslow, all-time oh. TV dad. His thing. His thing. No! His no! Thing. Carl Winslow let Steve Urkel vandalize the fuck out of his house, harass his daughters, all that fuckery. He a bottom-tier TV dad. He ain't enforced no type of cop shit. His daughter went upstairs and never came back down. Like, that is, so much fuckery Carl that Winslow let slide back. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yo, that is really true. And I'm mad that's true. <laughs> I'm mad that's true. Because he really did go upstairs. She never come back down. Next time you saw her, she was making porn. That is what happens in in the Family Matters world. I will say maybe that, he wasn't. Maybe yeah. Maybe it was all a facade. Maybe it just it so just it, it just he, ran he, the image on me. All I say right. about family, you're absolutely what I, right. What I'll say about Family Matters is that Family Matters was a show that had the values that seemed like they were good. Until you actually watch the show as an adult now, or as a teenager even, and you see, why the fuck was Steve Urkel building a time machine? Why did he have an Urkel bot? Why did he go into a, some chronological chamber shit and come out cool just because he took his glasses off and had a white suit on? Why is this nigga wearing a white suit? Like, why is he rarely wearing like like why is he wearing a white suit? Like, why? Like, these are things when you watch the show, it's like, say, this don't make no sense. Like, compared to Martin, your Jamie Foxx, your Wayne's brothers, even your Fresh Princes, and even your Steve Harvey shows, these shows were normal. Family Matters tried so hard to be different. And then they had the sad music, and then I'll never forget the tweet. 
when they said Harriet used to come down like she was looking good, and the audience were like, "Woo!" She looked terrible because she always <laughs> had some like big pearls on with this like big old cold Thomas sweater. <laughs> like, <laughs> no man, like that ain't it. Like that ain't it. And that's what's funny looking at it now. It's like, yo, the coming up, this is what we watch. But Family Matters is one of those shows on the other side of the spectrum. And that shouldn't age well. Age it didn't more. age well. Like I, I think the other other sitcoms of the time of the nineties, early two thousands, they aged better than than that. And I think even shows that you didn't even remember like that, like I'm not gonna get into Malcolm and Eddie, since that's holding up that's holding up conversation. We say that for another show. <laughs> we say that for another show. We say that for another one. But there's a lot of shows where I was like, man, that show sucked. And then you watch it back, and you're like, Yeah, that show sucked. <laughs> and like, yeah, it really, it really did. <laughs> If, if if Family Matters is one of those where I was like, man, like man, I remember Earth used to come on. They used to be step by step. Family Matters on 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 was it TGIF? Was it TGIF? I think it was TGIF on on ABC. And I'd be like, hey man, they like it's Friday, man. They got they got step by step. Boy meets world and Family Matters. And Family Matters is the worst of them all. <laughs> I'd watch step by step. I I I'm not gonna reveal who somebody in DAR used to have a crush on Suzanne Summers, and it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. There's not but, a fucking thing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But they watched step by step as a child because they had a criticism. And now I realize I was like, yo, I like that show too, step by step. I because of Suzanne Summer, the Thigh Master, and all that other stuff. There's there's so much I just want to point out there's so much culture stuff, not just black culture, but culture in general from the nineties, two thousands, because we're old people that we can talk about and we can have to save all that because there's so much shit. We could talk about the thigh master or something. I remember when this shit came out in the club when people had to put the club on the car. And <laughs> the club. There's man, that's some shit. Look, like nostalgia hour. The whole purpose of this nostalgia hour is to relive a lot of stuff that we've seen and experienced because these things matter. These things will always matter, and no matter what happens, no matter how far we go, how much we evolve as people, the past always matters. That's why. Talking about this today was was important to me. I had a hell, I've had a hell of a time talking this shit because this and I think is... the way the way to to roll out in a positive way is obviously from the conversation that we've had and the examples that we've given. Things evolve, things mm-hmm. change, and I think that you know the way things are right now is dissatisfying to all three of us for various reasons. But the fact that things evolve means it could go back. It could get good again. True. Things could get better. Things could get, could be a whole nother different way 15 years from now. And we could get some of these things that we've been talking about back. And uh, I hope that's the case. Gentlemen, uh, nostalgia hour is a, uh, that's a misnomer. It's just a name clearly because it's nostalgia hours. <laughs> It's kind yeah. of a saying, though, right? It's nostalgia hours. Much like this podcast, <laughs> the world of DAR media never stops. Fresh air, feel the melody, the 
Do you want me? 